let's say the UFC has let a bunch of veteran quality talent go to replace it with fighters from Dana White's contender series. Who are the high paid veteran talents that have been let go, that have departed the promotion that are major difference makers in the way we view the organization, in the way we look at the landscape of these weight classes. It's Monday, May 22nd. This is the Keyboard Kimura podcast on the Keyboard Kimura network. I'm E. Spencer Kite. I want to get into this today because obviously in the wake of the Francis Ngannou news and the reports coming out in the last couple of days on the Endeavor earnings, there's been a lot of discussion about UFC finances and how those profits could and should have been allocated with many people suggesting they could have been used to pay this amorphous plethora of ultra-talented, high-ranking fighters that have been let go. And I sit here and I see it. And while I certainly agree that athletes should be paid more, and I would I would like to see the UFC pay its athletes even even better than they do now, far better than they do now. And I think there are certainly reforms and decisions the UFC could make around how they pay athletes. I also don't see this great big group of supreme talents that have either been let go or unpursued by the promotion that often get held out as just this anonymous, as I said, amorphous group of people that are let go. Now, let's be clear here to start. Francis Ngannou is the outlier. If I'm running the UFC, I give Francis Ngannou the moon. He says, this is what I would like. And I say, no problem, big man. Can I also shine your shoes? He is a world-changing talent in the UFC, for the UFC. And I would 100% like everybody else do just about whatever it takes to keep that man in the fold and be able to promote some of these matchups and some of these fights that stand out there as missed opportunities now. First and foremost, the John Jones fight, but also a potential trilogy fight with Stipe Miocic or a fight with ascending fighters like Sergei Pavlovich, who looks really interesting right now, or a rematch with Cyril Ghosn, or a fight eventually down the road maybe with Tom Aspinall. So Nganu is, to me, outside of this conversation, or, or maybe not, and, and maybe it's unfair to say he's outside of this conversation. He's certainly in it. He's, he's the number one, right? He's the first overall draft pick in this kind of conversation. But who else is there? Who else is on that list? Being the super nerd that I am, I went through the last couple of years. So 2021 and 2022 in the UFC to look at some of the names that have departed the promotion one way or another. And the list of names I came up with, I'm just going to go through it relatively quickly. Carlos Condit retired. Antonio Carlos Jr. was let go. Alistair Overeem retired. Tiago Santos was let go. Joseph Benavidez retired. 
Tyron Woodley moved on. Mike Perry moved on. Shane Burgos wasn't re-signed. Dana White acknowledged that was a mistake and somebody they should have brought back. But I will get to Burgos momentarily. Nathan Diaz, famously at the end of, or the, the fall of last year, fought out his contract and has since moved on. Kevin Lee departed, is now back. Marlon Marais allowed to depart. Aspen Ladd was released after missing weight. Jose Aldo retired. Rogerio Bontarine parted ways with the promotion. Chris Jotko, Uriah Hall, Jessica I, Cowboy Cerrone retired this year, or last year maybe. Alexander Gustafson hasn't been around. I don't know what his status is. TJ Dillashaw retired shortly after his fight with Aljamain Sterling. Frankie Edgar retired this year. There's not a lot of a lot of names there that I feel are are part of this. Oh my God, the UFC has let so many big names go. Towards the end of 2020, Junior Dos Santos was was released on a losing streak. That one was one. Jeremy Stevens was let go in there at some point. That's that is certainly a big name. But when I look at these athletes and I hear the criticism of the UFC for allowing these these men and women to depart and not matching these deals, not bringing these people back, I can't help but think back to when Lorenz Larkin left the UFC after a win over Neil Magny at UFC 202. There was this uproar of how could they? In the time since then, I haven't heard a lot from those same people about Lorenz Larkin. He went to Bellator, fought for the title right away, fought for the welterweight belt right away at Bellator NYC, losing to Douglas Lima, was knocked out in his next fight by Paul Daly, and is on an unbeaten run since. It's it's eight straight unbeaten for the monsoon. But I haven't heard that fervent, oh my God, we need to get Lorenz Larkin. Like there hasn't been this groundswell of support and coverage and push to remind everybody how great Lorenz Larkin is since he's left the UFC. It's like he left, it was a big deal, but then when he got to where he was going, we suddenly didn't care anymore. It's just that it's in the moment for the how could you, and then once we get to the next step of they're going to start fighting elsewhere, there's far less interest in those athletes. Which brings me back to Burgos. 8-3 in the UFC when he departed, right? Fought out his contract, signed with the PFL. Dana came out afterwards and was like, yep, we made a mistake. That's a guy we should have brought back. I 100% agree because Shane Burgos is allergic to being in boring fights. But there's also elements to me of, yeah, I get it. Shane Burgos, as I said, was 8-3 in the UFC, but he lost to all three ranked opponents that he faced. And while that's certainly not anything to be disappointed with or hold against him because I am the champion of everybody has utility and a position in this ecosystem, a place in this ecosystem. I do understand putting a cap and putting a number on how much we want to pay someone that has shown that through 11 fights. And so while I would certainly welcome Shane Burgos back and and understand and want to see Shane Burgos back in the UFC. There's also a piece of me that understands not opening up the vault for a guy that hasn't been able to beat 
even guys that are outside of championship contention. Right? His his last loss in the UFC was to Edson Barbosa. I love Edson Barbosa. I'm an Edson Barbosa guy very much. But you get to a point where if you're not if you're not beating Edson Barbosa, then we need to really kind of look at where you fit. And I think it's okay to do that. And while I understand the push of like, man, I wish Shane Burgos was still in the UFC, as do I, but it's not, it's not the big deal that I think it gets made out to be. And certainly people are going to say, of course you feel that way, Spencer. You're a guy that writes for the UFC website. You're the guy that is always positive and always up on all of these athletes that come into the UFC through the contender series and things of that nature. Certainly. I'm I'm probably the wrong person to be voicing this if if we're looking at coming from a position of it's it's not even a lack of bias but just a like perceived bias, right? But again, I I sort of get it. I think there's this to me and this is just my opinion this is just my ideas to me there is a instant elevation of talent i will say there is an instant sense of when someone leaves they become more valuable for leaving not because we suddenly recognize the level of talent that they have, but because we just want to hold it against the UFC that they dare let that athlete who would make things better, who could be a valuable part of the ecosystem, leave for nothing to where they are replaced by, to most people's argument, someone from the contender series. I think back to when Ryan Bader left when Phil Davis left, when Corey Anderson left. All three were at a point when they departed the UFC that from my vantage point, it felt like there was a great deal of fatigue from the MMA audience, the MMA masses as a whole to seeing those athletes compete in the light heavyweight division. They had capped out just outside of title contention It didn't appear that they were going to get there or become real threats to John Jones or some of the other names at the absolute top of that division. And people were ready to move on. People were tired of seeing them cycled into main event and co-main event slots against familiar names. But when they left and went and had success in Bellator, it suddenly became can you believe the UFC let these people go? Well, yeah, I can. You guys told them that you didn't necessarily care whether they were here or not. The same goes for Lorenz Larkin. There wasn't this groundswell of, we need to keep Lorenz Larkin. Lorenz Larkin is great before he left. He leaves and it's, oh my God, I can't believe it. And then when he goes and embarks on his Bellator career, after those first two fights, it's it's largely been crickets. Now, some of that is down to how Bellator is covered. 
by the media, the depth and breadth with which Bellator is covered. And I'm not saying they're not. There are certainly people that do a great job and, and sites that do a terrific and full and thorough job covering Bellator. There are a bunch of people that could come on here and tell me everything about Lorenz Larkin's Bellator career and do a phenomenal job. But there's also a lot of people that were up in arms back at UFC after UFC 202 that haven't said a word about Lorenz Larkin since. And that's the thing that gets me about the whole, they let all of these great fighters go. They let all of these big names, these established people go to replace them with X. I would argue, looking at this list that I've put together in front of me of fighters from 2021 and 2022 who have departed the promotion one way or another, there's not many folks on here that people were really invested in when they were competing in the UFC. As I said, Tiago Santos was in that range of fighters where folks were exhausted of seeing him in fight night main events against every up-and-coming contender in the light heavyweight division. He exited the promotion with one win in his last six fights. There isn't a soul that saw him compete post that fight with John Jones that thought this guy is still a vital, important piece of this division and a contender. We all saw an aging, struggling fighter who had been through multiple knee injuries and multiple knee surgeries and wasn't the same guy, which is certainly understandable. But then it also has to be understandable that the promotion moves on or that he chooses to move on. That's the other part of this for me is that this isn't always just the UFC closes the door, right? It's not always the Denzel meme of flipping the door closed in the guy's face. Sometimes these athletes decide to go elsewhere. Now, you could argue that the UFC has the resources to match each and every offer that any of these athletes have placed in front of them. I would say that one, there's certainly some interest on the UFC side to, or, or a lack of interest on the UFC side when it comes to some of these men and women. I would also say that two, some of these men and women probably want to go and ply their trade elsewhere. They see the success athletes have had in PFL going over, competing for a million dollars, winning a million dollars, right? They see someone like Brendan Lochnane who doesn't get a, a contract on the contender series, which was an egregious mistake at the time and, and looks even worse in retrospect as he continues to have success in PFL. But they see that and they see him go over and win a million dollars in last year's tournament. And they see Olivier Aubin-Mercier do the same and Stevie Ray make it to the finals. I would wager that each of those men are far more comfortable and far happier where they are now than if they were in the UFC. I remember a bunch of years ago now, I stood in inside the MGM Grand talking to Lance Palmer, then World Series of Fighting, featherweight champion, just shooting the shit, catching up. And I said, what's your, what's your situation? What's the, what's the future plans? Any, any interest in the UFC? And he just looked at me and shook his head and said, I'm not going to get the same opportunities. I'm not going to get the same payout 
if I go over there as I'm having here? Why would I give up all of this to go over there and be another piece of the, of the wheel, be another, another spoke in the wheel? I'm a, I'm a big fish here. Why do I want to go and be a little fish in a way bigger pond? And it makes complete sense. But we never seem to articulate that side of things. We never seem to address that piece of it. It's always just how the UFC has done everybody dirty. And again, we would all like to be in control of those purse strings and those decisions and would certainly make different decisions than the UFC has made. But I can't sit here today and fault them for all of these choices and all of these decisions in part because I don't think they're all that bad. Like, are there some athletes that I wish they had brought in or some athletes that I wish they had kept around? Absolutely. Are there others that went elsewhere that we've seen it either not work out thus far in the case of someone like Roberto Soldich? Yep. There's that too. We never, we never seem to mention that, that it hasn't worked out yet for Robocop in one and whatever dollar amount they are paying him to be 0-1 with one no contest through his first year in the promotion. We never seem to get into all of the quality talent that has emerged off Dana White's contender series, right? It's always held out as the detriment, as the thing that is a blight on the UFC roster. And I wrote about this for OSDB Sports on Friday. Are there certainly talents that have been signed to contracts from the contender series that have washed out real quickly and showed that they just weren't ready or able to compete at this level? 100%. But for every athlete, and I've, I've done the math, I have the spreadsheets. For every athlete that failed to register a victory inside the octagon from season one, to through season six, including the three Brazilian, all Brazilian shows, there is an equal number of athletes that have won five fights or more inside the octagon. That includes a current champion in Jamal Hill, an impending title challenger in, in Sean O'Malley, and a few other top-ranked, well-established fighters that have shown they are valuable, integral pieces of this organization. They are key cogs within their respective division. I'm thinking of people like Brendan Allen, who, who has had a great deal of success. I'm thinking of Alex Perez, who fought for a title, was the first fighter from the, from, excuse me, Dana White's contender series to fight for a title. Tyler Santos doesn't have five wins yet, but she's fought for a title. We've seen a number of athletes come through this show and have success, but we don't we seem to stop short of giving those athletes recognition for where they came from the same way that we are to the same level that we, that we criticize the ones that fall short, right? There's no mention of, Hey, Matt Frivola was on season one of Dana White's contender series, and he seems to be doing okay, working his way into the top 15. It's simply ugh, the blight of contender series. 
We all love Sean O'Malley to a certain degree, right? We're all appreciative of the talent, I should say. Or to a lesser extent, a guy like Adrian Yanez or Sadiq Youssef. But we don't sing their praises and sing the show's praises for producing those talents, for graduating those talents onto the roster. We just attack the show and the company for bringing in the people that don't succeed. And that becomes the basis for, or part of the basis for how we want to reallocate all of Endeavor's money and reallocate the decisions that are being made about the roster, about these different athletes. In looking through all of the fights from 2021 and 2022 to sort of compile this list of athletes that have been let go, that have left the promotion, that have retired one way or another, that people seem to lament, but not by name. Another sort of piece to this felt like it started presenting itself to me. And that is, we've had a lot of established names, ranked fighters, former champions, relative stars, go fairly long stretches, six months or more of inactivity. And that's that to me is the bigger problem right now. That to me is the bigger issue. And it's mostly not inactivity for the sake of not fighting. In a lot of cases, it's been injuries. So people on that list, obviously Conor McGregor hasn't fought since July, 2021 when he broke his, when he broke his ankle against Dustin Poirier, broke his leg, whatever it was, hasn't competed. Biggest star in the sport hasn't been around. I know there were the reports that came out about the Endeavor earnings that they made, that fighter pay was 30, they saved essentially $32 million from 2021 to 2022. I'm not saying it's all Conor McGregor, but I bet you that that's a, a bit of money that went to Conor McGregor who fought twice in 2021 and zero times last year. That's probably part of it, but he's not the only one here. If you look at the current light heavyweight rankings, Jamal Hill is the champion, won the title in January. Number one contender is former champion Yuri Prohashka, hasn't competed since last June. We're coming up on a year now that Prohashka's been out. Number two is Magomed Ankolaev. Number three is Jan Vlahovic. They fought in December. Neither is back yet. Neither has competed. As far as I know, as of right now, neither has a bout on, on the books for the next couple of months. Number four is Alexander Rakic, who hasn't fought in well over a year after suffering a knee injury in a fight with Jan Bojovic. It's really difficult to get a division going and to generate a ton of interest in that weight class or even about some of the fighters in that division when your top four contenders are inactive. Additionally, some other names that haven't competed in six months or so. Charles Oliveira hasn't competed. Competing next, competing in a couple of weeks' time. Two events from now, Dubronx will be back out here in Vancouver. I'm looking forward to seeing it, but he hasn't fought since losing the title. That's a big name that I think we would all really have enjoyed seeing in these first five months of the UFC calendar. Dustin Poirier hasn't fought since last November. Robert Whitaker, Chan Sung Jung 
Ilya Tapuria, Armin Saryukin, Colby Covington, Hamzat Chimaev, Sean Brady, Vicente Luque, Michael Chiesa, Michel Pejea, Paulo Costa, Tom Aspinall, Rose Namajunas, Tyler Santos, Amanda Nunez, and Juliana Pena. Those are all athletes, and Zhang Weili, I should add. Those are all athletes that haven't competed in a number of months. Brian Ortega as well. Sorry, I skipped him, unfortunately. Haven't competed in a number of months. If you put them back on the active roster, if you slot them in, even for one fight at some point this year, against one another, against someone else in their weight class, in their division, within range of them, in the rankings, those are all ranked fighters. It certainly changes the landscape of things. It certainly ups the star power on some of these fight cards. It reshuffles the deck a little bit for some of these fight cards because we move a Dustin Poirier into a pay-per-view co-main event and can either slot that co-main event back one or two or move it to a fight night show to bolster that event. You get Rose Namajunas, same thing. You get Tom Aspinall healthy. He's headlining a fight night or an ESPN show or an ABC show, most likely the London show coming up in July. But you you know what I'm saying, right? We're, we're missing a wealth of stars to a different degree. They're all stars to different levels, right? Conor McGregor is on a different, different tier. He's in a different stratosphere. And even Dustin Poirier is a different level than Brian Ortega is a different level than Zhang Weili is a different level than somebody even as, as fun and entertaining to watch as Hanato Moicano, who we haven't seen compete in a number of months. But if you add those athletes back into the mix, it changes things. And to me, that's been the bigger issue than allowing some of these veterans to leave the promotion or not renewing their contracts. Because it's all of these fighters that we just haven't gotten an opportunity to see one way or another that we, to me, that I, for me, they're the people I miss more. And it's not that I don't care about the Antonio Carlos Juniors or the Chris Jotkos. Again, I'm the guy that cares about everybody. I'm the guy that wants to see everybody more so than anyone else, which is why I feel comfortable coming here and saying, to me, it feels like criticism for the sake of being critical, like using these men and women to prop up arguments and then discarding them when we're not ready, when we don't want to have that conversation anymore, or we've moved on from that particular conversation. All the people that were up in arms about some of these athletes moving on, for everybody that was mad about Shane Burgos not re-signing with the UFC, how many of those folks watched his PFL debut, made a point of sitting down on a Thursday or Friday night, whatever it was, to watch his PFL debut? I would bet you it wasn't as many as we're, we're shouting about it being criminal that the UFC let him go. And again, it doesn't have to be a one-to-one like that. You can have the criticism and not follow. The criticism is valid. It's fair. It's, it's understandable. Again, I want Shane Burgos back. I would love to see him. I want to see all of the best fighters in the world fighting the best fighters in the world all the time, full stop, no matter what. 
But I also understand and recognize the business landscape of this and recognize that you don't just shell out for everybody, that you don't just pay everyone, that you don't just open the purse strings and say, here, take as much as you want. We've got plenty. It would be great. Do not get me wrong. It would be wonderful if that applied to athletes and everyone else. If everyone could just say, hey, you make a bunch. I would like to make more. And those people went, you know, that's a reasonable request. Here you go. But that's not how it works. And so to me, for every obvious answer there is to my initial question of who are these big names? Who are these stars, these attractions, these athletes that were making good money that have been replaced by these drones from the Contender Series. And I say that as you can hear me laughing. Who are these fighters that the UFC has made a criminally poor judgment call on and allowed to go? It feels like it's, it's one or two athletes. And that's about it. And I would say that for those one or two athletes, no, there's, there's not a replacement for Francis Ngannou. You, you can't replace a talent like Francis Ngannou. You don't, you don't just find a new heavyweight champion. You don't. I won't argue otherwise. But I will say that as much as I would like to see Shane Burgos competing in the octagon still, or again, featherweight's been fine. Featherweight has done okay without him. What I would like to see is Ilya Tapuria fight again. What I would like to see is Mavsar Ivloyev fight more frequently. Or Sadiq Youssef get another fight. Kelvin Cater, get healthy and get back in there. Same with Brian Ortega. Same with the Korean Zombie. I'd like to see some of these even younger, outside of the rankings fighters, get an opportunity. Diego Lopez looked really great against Mavsar Ivloyev a couple of weeks ago. Could he be a Shane Burgos replacement? In the next two years, I'm not going to rule it out. I'm not going to say no. I'm really interested in seeing him compete again. As always, I understand that I seem like the UFC supporter. I seem like the advocating on the side of the empire. Advocating for the building of the Death Star. And that's not what I'm trying to do here. What I'm trying to do and the way I, I try to look at these things is both in terms of the reality of the business that we're, that we're covering, that we're watching unfold, and also from a understand their perspective, understand that other side. It's not that I'm advocating for the UFC. It's that in many instances, I understand the decisions that are made. Whether I agree with them or not, isn't necessarily an issue, isn't necessarily anything that matters. Can I see where they're coming from? Yeah. Do I wish it was different? Yes. Is it going to be in the current landscape, in the current situation? No. And all I can do is operate right here today with the way things are. Not how I would like them to be, not how it would be if I were in charge of the promotion, 
Not if I was making the decisions and I had the checkbook and I was the one making all of these calls. Just how it is now. So I can want a bunch of changes. And I, like everyone else, would welcome a bunch of changes. But I can also see where they're coming from in a lot of these instances. And I think there has become a... I don't even know what the right word is for it right now. There is a fatigue, it feels like, with the UFC. And that fatigue has turned into a perpetual frustration. There's too many events. There's too many fighters that people don't know. There's too many names that don't get paid that end up leaving. And it certainly works against the UFC when every time somebody departs, it's they're asking for too much, they wanted too much, and then we see these earnings reports that say, but you've got a lot. Can't you give them more? I, I 100% get it. I understand. I'm, I'm with you. I, I will be the first one to say, if you've got... billion, can you not shave off 2 billion and be okay with 10? Like I, I agree, but that's not the landscape. That's not the business right now. And as much as I would like it to be different, it's not going to be. I've seen other people and I've heard other people most famously to me, most remembered, remembered to me, excuse me, Luke Thomas say, I can't care about fighter pay more than the fighters themselves. That's real to me. I can't sit here and scream and yell and kick and scream that the UFC should do better and do different and do other things when the athletes don't take those steps themselves. When the athletes and their representation don't find ways to do that themselves. Haven't figured out yet that they deserve far more of the pie than they're getting. Haven't taken any steps to do that. It's why I continue to commend Francis Ngannou for his decisions. I hope it works out immensely for Francis Ngannou. I hope everything pays off and he ends up being a guy that changes the landscape of this sport. But until more people follow suit and do that, this is where we are and I can only operate in this. And so when everybody gets critical of the UFC and the roster and the turnover and the names that have been let go, I just don't see it. I don't see these fighters that were garnering tremendous support before they left that the UFC made great big mistakes on. I don't see those athletes being persons of interest outside of the promotion once they go someplace else. It feels like they are people that, it feels like they are held out as examples in the moment and then discarded afterwards. They're held out as how could you And then when that moment passes, 
a vast majority of those people that were supporting them and behind them and holding them out as how, how dare you depart with this person, move on from them themselves. Don't continue to ride with that individual. It's just that they're somebody that they feel should be in the UFC or the UFC should have paid. It's not even that they just, that this is their favorite fighter and they need to go and follow them and they will continue to follow them wherever they go. They're just somebody that they can hold out and point a finger back at the UFC about and say, how dare you? Because that's what we want to do now is just look at every decision and say, it's the wrong decision and look at every action and say, that's not what I would do. That's not how I would do it. I'm right there with you for most of them, but I can also sit here and look at it honestly and say, that isn't the landscape. That isn't the situation. It's the same thing to me as the, well, the UFC should reduce its schedule. Then everything will get better argument. It's not happening. So we have to find different arguments. And then the other piece of that is, as I said, I wouldn't argue that the, the roster has suffered a great deal over the last bunch of years. I think the roster and the overall level of talent and skill on the UFC roster competing in the octagon today is better than it has ever been in history, top to bottom. Are there some fighters that I would like to see back? As I've talked about now for 30 more, more than 30 minutes, 100%. I want more Francis Ngannou. I want Shane Burgos back. I would still love to see Ryan Bader, Phil Davis, and Corey Anderson competing in the UFC. How great would they look rolled into the light heavyweight mix right now? How great would they have been as part of this promotion for the last four, five, six years in some cases as we get to with Bader? Would I like to see Roberto Saldich have signed? Of course, as I said, I want all of the best fighters here, but that's not what's going to happen and to just look at this roster and say, we've lost so much great talent and they've all been re replaced by scrubs from the contender series is just false. It's just incorrect. It's just minimizing the impact of that show and diminishing the performance of the 20 ranked fighters, 20 plus ranked fighters from that program that are currently in the top 15 or sitting atop their division, as is the case with Jamal Hill. It's not as simple as they let these people go. It's not as simple as they just didn't pay anybody. I think more than anything, it's that there's this wealth of established names that aren't competing, that have left. I left out Joanna Yanjechik when I made this list, when I put this together. Must have just missed her in putting it together, but it, it came to me now. Yoana Yanjechik, one of the best female fighters of all time, consistent pay-per-view performer, great fights, her last two fights on her way out of the octagon, just not with us anymore, not competing with us anymore. Those, thing, those things, more than anything, have an impact. It's not Shane Burgos, singularly. It's not, you know, these, these handful of people that have departed the promotion. Things wouldn't necessarily be better in the UFC had they re-signed 
Tiago Santos or Chris Jocko. But they'd be better if Conor McGregor wasn't injured. They'd be better if Brian Ortega wasn't injured. They'd be better if Hamza Chamayev fought more frequently or Colby Covington fought more frequently or Rob Whitaker fought more frequently or Yuri Prohoshka wasn't injured. There's so much more to it that we never seem to say that never seems to get pointed out because it would, it would recognize the UFC's side of things. And we just can't do that these days. We just can't give them any grace, any space. They are the big, bad, evil empire. They're the ones that make all the terrible decisions. Everything they do is negative and wrong and no good. Except the fights this year have been still pretty good. And nobody seems to follow all of those souls that they're riding for when the UFC lets them go, when they move on to the next thing. And given that, is it really that that big of an issue that the UFC let them go? For Keyboard Kimura, I'm E. Spencer Kite.